Welcome to Scars to Stars, where conversations and personal stories let us know we are not alone. In this show, you will meet authors and speakers from our books and events as they share vulnerable personal stories to spread hope and inspire you through adversities in your own life. The world is a difficult place. You will find like-minded people here with kind hearts and supportive souls. I am your host, Dina Brown Mitchell. I am a suicide survivor and the founder of the Realize Foundation. I am so glad you are here. Let's dig into this meaningful conversation. Hello, everybody. It's Dina with the Realize Foundation, and I'm here today with one of our authors, Jeff Hudson Searle, who lives across the pond in the UK, um, in London, I believe. Uh, Yes, Dina. Yes, London, central London, actually, in a beautiful uh, little village, uh, southwest London, called Barnes. Got it. I have been to London, but it's been about five years, and I probably don't know it that well. (laughs) <laughs> well, you're very welcome. And, you know, we've got a new king now. <laughs> I heard, yeah. I think the whole world knows that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I have been to Buckingham Palace, and I have a picture of me standing at the gate. So wow. I did I did make that round. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we're here today to talk about the Scars to Stars book that will be coming out in September this year, which is 2023. And Jeff wrote a chapter, and I would like him to tell you a little about about what it what he wrote. Sure. So I wrote this chapter um, for many reasons. Um, the first reason is because one of the things that we all as individuals, um, you know, don't have an existence without is love. And most importantly, um, the importance of love in each and every one of us. Um, some people will also say that, you know, if you need, you know, if you don't, if you're not self-aware, you know, self-love is a big requirement of that. So as a child, you know, I was deprived of love. Um, if it wasn't for my grandmother um, and my grandfather, uh, I probably wouldn't be here today. That's the honest truth. So the the appreciation um, of love all through my life um, has been a, a very a big topic and and one of incredible importance. Can't help but feel that you know since I've been writing over the last ten years now, you know, seeing how love in relationships has changed um, and and the astonishing amount of research that we have at the moment. Um, uh, you know, it, you know, particularly if I go as far as December 22, when, um, when, I, when I, you know, I started to do a lot of research on the relationship that, you know, it was astonishing. I think 78% of all couples were um, foreseeing that they would have a relationship breakdown during the Christmas period. Um, that, that to me spells out that we are being too transactional with one another, actually. And we're not concentrating on on what really is important because what we don't figure out is that with all the great technology that we've got in the world, and don't get me wrong, you know, we all couldn't really survive without a certain amount of technology. 
but I think that there is too much technology um, and not enough human balance um, value systems. Being able to connect, when I, when I mean connect, I mean truly connect um, heart, body, mind, and soul with one another. And families, families, uh, little, little children, um, even at the age of four and five, they can see mum and dad. They can see granddad, grandma, and what's the saying? Um, uh, actually, from a grandparent's point of view, it's uh, uh, <laughs> no one can teach you what uh, grandparents can teach, right, or something like that, which, which I had in my first book. And, uh, and that was very much based around my upbringing. With it. If it wasn't for my grandparents, I probably wouldn't be here today. Um, so I think, you know, I have a lot to be, a lot to have gratitude for in that regard. But the power of love and the power of the connection, I think we've got to deeply get back to. So it's very important that I talked about love. I also talked um, tremendously about, I believe that each and every one of us is shaped by our own individual experiences. But then I started to really sort of uh, talk about passion because I think that, you know, in a relationship, Yes, you need passion, but you need. Uh, when I mean relationship, you can have. It could be a relationship with your employment. It could be you could be an entrepreneur, and, and and you're passionate about what you do to others, and and how you give to others, and how you're you're on your life purpose as a direct result of passion. And and I have talked about this subject a few times as well. Good friend of mine, uh, again in the chapter, uh, Joe. Jo um, talks about one of her books, which is um, simply, um, simply dot, 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 you know, um, <laughs> love is simple. <laughs> well, it's not that simple, actually. <laughs> and I talk with experience. Um, but that, that, that was a metaphor, um, you know, in regards. And, you know, I have followed her work and um, she's quoted, obviously, in the chapter, because I think that one of the things we've got to get back to is love. And I think we've got to get back to one-to-one -one, um, relationships. You know, we're, we're not trusting one another. We're not trusting the, the platforms of the technology that we use. Um, everybody's running around with dating apps, which just provide more confusion and complexity. And they're not really about the depth and the granular level of getting to know one another. Why don't why don't we go for a walk in the park? You know, why don't we just uh, you know don't laugh? I mean, I remember when I was a, I was a, a little boy, and my granddad would say to me, "We're going for an adventure, Jeff." And I'm like, "Oh, great! Can I have an ice cream?" And it'd be like, "No, we're going on the adventure first." You know, it's the simple things: holding hands with one another, looking at one another within the you know our eyes and i've always said that our eyes are a direct reflection of our soul yeah and i think that that's incredibly important so yeah i cover a lot of aspects but i, I am deeply concerned about the future um the future in relationships and uh, and as i said you know I, the reason why i wrote this is i am very passionate about how we need to adapt and change but not forget you know, um, the, the core of what we represent, the core of what our purpose derives from, but more importantly, how we connect with one another. And we cannot um, forget, you know, the importance of love, especially when we start talking about the, the generations and we start talking about our children, potentially our grandchildren, 
and their children. So, you know, um, if we continue being very transactional, the world's going to get very cold and it's going to get, you know, we're going to move away from, you know, traditional value systems and we're going to move away from the connection. You know, as soon as somebody picks up a mobile phone, um, they, they think mistrust and, and it doesn't need to be that way. You know, I think that we need to be in a loving, uh, trusted relationship to have meaning in our lives. And, and more importantly, what that represents to society, you know, uh, in general. You know, it's, it's very rare that you see people holding hands and, and kissing one another along the street anymore. You know, it's kind of, like, oh, better not do that. Someone might get a picture of me and might, <laughs> you know. And so it's like, why? Why? Why don't we just have one person that we adore and love and, and and make a meaningful foundation based on loving love care and attention and and i think that this is a huge subject today Dean. yeah i agree and i think it's it's part of our mission is um you know human connection in general can save lives um, right but the what how we're using it with personal story and community and conversations is really what we're trying to do exactly what you're talking about, trying to get people to reconnect with, even in a Zoom call, you would be amazed at how many lives have been changed in the last two years with what we're doing. And it's, you know, it's people who maybe um, don't have people in their life on a day-to-day basis that allow them to, um, be vulnerable or talk about what's yeah. what they're struggling with um, and they can come into our events and they can meet other people who are struggling yeah. with similar things and it becomes this beautiful conversation about how can we support each other how can we connect outside of here and it's it's really what saved me in 2020 um, yeah. when I became part of a group of 160 people you know, about virtual events, trying to save my business. And instead I walked away going, no, I'm not going to save my business. This is what I need to be doing. And so it's, it's really important that people have that place where they can find the support they need because everybody doesn't have that in their life. I agree. And I think, you know, the 2020 was bad for a lot of people. I mean, we saw increased levels of suicide, increased levels of mental health, we saw people in isolation and loneliness. We saw a lack of creativity coming through in corporations and innovation because people went from home. And even even I in February this year, I had somebody said, "Well, you've written you've written a blog on on uh, mental health and the importance of, of people interaction." And he said, "I'm lonely. I have no one to talk to. I sit at my desk and I I work the hours that I do, but I have a." mental health problem and i don't have many people that i can actually talk to um and jeff do you mind if i talk to you about the issues and i said of course you know i've got i've got as many hours as you need right now to talk this through with you because i think that this this is a a really big problem even the generation the younger generation generation z's and you know um you know uh, the gen z's that are coming through they're suffering with this issue now you know it's interesting that I saw some stats recently that Gen Z's on an average go on a website, they spend three seconds. Someone, an old guy like me 
spends <laughs> two minutes 23 okay on the same thing a gen z will have five screens open or someone like me will have one screen open begs the question whether carl honor going back 15 years now he wrote in the in the praise of slow i'm a big advocate for this man saying no we don't need to be doing 100 things at a time because we won't actually deliver anything we won't deliver anything of value um actually what we should be doing is actually doing doing 10 things and doing them really well so they can create an impact and and his work is quite um amazing to be honest with you um i connected with him again recently because you know we were talking about the slow movement and and whether um, and you know how this is developing you know um leslie Petrell from harvard she talks about pto pertinent time off you know and she she <laughs> she wrote a great book called sleeping with your smartphone <laughs> Right. You know, it's very, no, no, she has a point. Now, if she can go into a company like Bain and say, look, everybody phones down, I'm going to increase your productivity and revenue by 35% in 90 days. She has something, she's, she's onto something, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, like everybody's just waiting for that buzz on the phone. Right. And, and like, we shouldn't be doing that. You know, it's like, you've got an email. Yeah. But can't it wait until the morning? What's the absolute importance of sending that email right now? Why don't you go and take the dog for a walk? Why don't you hold hands with your with, with your better better half and actually go out for a walk? The sun is shining. Actually, in England, that's a rare thing. So, you know, <laughs> why don't you go out and actually go for a romantic walk or go for a dinner together? Or, or you don't even have to go lavish. You could say, why don't we just go for a coffee, right? Let's spend some time together. And we're social beings, and you touched on it earlier. It's so important to interact. And in 2020, that was a big problem. Now, everybody's at events. Everybody's effectively doing things which involve social one-to-one -one and interaction. You know, there were, there were massive suicides even before the pandemic, actually, over this isolation and mental health issue. And, and there was a big rapper. I can't remember his name. But he was saying, guys pick up the phone, start talking to your friends and the people around you. I mean, you know, if you don't interact, you know, um, you know, and, you know, liking a post is not having a conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, and by the way, what I found after the pandemic, particularly with the meetings that I was having, people wanted to get together, you know, definitely they wanted to get together and they wanted to talk. But the, I found all of my meetings that I was having had massive depth granular depth with the, you know and purpose and and i was like i'm getting so much more out of these meetings right and and why are we not all doing that why are we trying to text one another you know 1500 text messages a day uh, well, what are you going to achieve from that you know seriously and, you know and i've heard some horror stories where you know the boss is sending a slack message to someone expecting them to deliver off three lines and they're like i need to speak to you and well i have time to speak to you well how do you expect to get the quality in in anything delivered if you're not going to actually openly speak to one another and actually interact and and actually get to one understand one another i mean trust is based around effective listening one you know i think we've all got to learn a lot there but i mean compassion empathy these are big words which which kind of leads into understanding and i think once you've got a level of understanding you know how to communicate 
you can't accelerate communication until you've got understanding and i think you know with, with the younger generation they think they use the spray gun machine gun style and, and hope something sticks that that isn't going to penetrate and build human relationships you know with with compassion with empathy and with understanding and building longevity I mean, companies talk about customer lifetime value well unless you know your customer you know, really intimately and intimately well, you, you know, you're not going to do business anyhow. You know, I'm not being funny, but, you know, brand trust, but trust in general. No, no one will actually spend time with one another unless they believe that there's going to be some level of meaning or purpose. So I think incredibly important, everything that we're describing right now. And I think that trust is just, you know, imploded. I mean, it's just got worse and worse and worse. We're at the situation now where trust has never been so bad geopolitically, you know, politically. We've got wars going on, you know. We've got we've got uh, business to business, supply chain, zero trust going on, you know. Um, and, and we've got relationship trust issues and that they've, they've just spiraled out of control now. I mean, society's got to get back to some basics, in my opinion, and we've got to start doing what we know is best and working within that but if the speed of technology speeds up at the rate it's likely to do over the next decade then some of these things i'm talking about have got to be fixed yeah it's true i think you know i think that i have a love-hate relationship with with social media because i it, it's very helpful in many many ways yeah. um but it's also what keeps us from that human connection that we're talking about yeah. and, and whether it's business or whether it's, it's the mental health world and, and yeah. support and things that you need. It's um, you know, I think it's great that we have tools like better help where people can get on a zoom call with a therapist and get the help they need. Um, but we also have a shortage of therapists in the world right now and yeah, psychotherapists and, you know, how do we, how do we fix that? And I believe we fix that with what we're doing and offering peer to peer support to people, because I think there's, there's different levels of help that people need. And sometimes they just need somebody to listen, or they just okay. need somebody to relate to them about what they're going through, you know, and sometimes those conversations are, are even more helpful than a therapy session. In my case, I think they're always more helpful than a therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was just my own experience. But, you know, yeah, we, I, saw, we saw years ago, uh, Dina, in, um, in, you know, American Express, for instance, would use remote counseling. Um, for and I, and I think that at least that's something you know to to help people. But I was on the I was on a bus the other day, believe it or not, on public transport, and this this um this this lady wanted to have a chat with me. You know, she God bless her, she was about eighty eighty five, and we're chatting away until I had to get off my stop. But you know, I could see her smile, right? I I could see her smile, and so you think about it, it's all generations. It's not one specific area that everyone is saying well you know we need this in our lives right we need this and and you know i also believe that if you touch in the morning if you were to touch somebody you know um emotionally um you know with something positive it could actually make their day absolutely and it, you see what i'm saying it's and it's yeah. like 
like I was in a supermarket the other day and, and this man, he, he had a cake and he had a small bottle of wine and I had all my shopping and I was like, sir, please, 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 please go in front of me. And he said, are you sure? And I'm like, well, yeah, you've only got two items. And I look at me, I'm going to be here forever. So, you know, and it was kind of like, you know, and you should have seen the shock on his face. He's like, oh my God, you know, this is really good. Someone, and he, and he was, he couldn't be more thankful. But then what happened was the cashier, um notice what i did and she was like sir good afternoon really good to see you Every, are you okay today and i was like so it has a knock-on effect yeah. um uh, you know and it's a bit like you know it's about like opening doors for people as well you know it, it takes a small thing of care okay? Okay. just caring and and people want to know that they're cared for right and if you don't have any family and if you don't have any friends you know you know, you got, you're either going to have a very bad experience out with society or you're going to have a very good experience. Now, the pandemic, there was people fighting over toilet rolls. <laughs> you know, pasta. What was going on with toilet rolls and pasta? I mean, you know, warehouses full of toilet rolls and pasta. But yet people were fighting in the aisleways as if this is going to be, you know, I've got to emergency stock. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, so I think I think we weren't thinking about community enough. Mm-hmm. We weren't thinking about society enough. And all of this was, again, breaking down the trust barriers, you know, just breaking it down. And, and in my last book, you, you may remember, but I talk, I talk about trust as a, a currency, as a bank account. Mm-hmm. You know, when you do something positive, you get a credit. But, of course, when you do something that's not so great, you're going to get a debit. Right. And that's and in some weird way. It's kind of an interesting way of actually um, managing people's expectations, because, look, I'm not saying that, we you know, we're always going to be in a fantastic mood every day and everything's going to be perfect because we don't live in a perfect world. But what I do say is that, you know, we don't need to do all this self gratification. Maybe what we need to do is start giving gratitude and love to others and actually making other people feel good you know because yeah and i I talk all the time about kindness and how um you never know what the person next to you is really dealing with whether it's a stranger or your spouse there is always something that is going on in people's head that you'll never know but just the act of like you said opening the door saying hello um letting someone go in front of you at the grocery store all of those things create endorphins and and yeah. positive energy for people that need need that in their life and like i said you never know who that is and if you you know i always say i i've spent a whole career in hospitality so i say hello to everyone no matter where sure. i am i pick up trash on the sidewalk like that's just what i do because sure my career and it's it's so crazy how i've seen stories of like somebody who dropped their bag and their papers fell out and somebody stopped and helped them pick it up and and hearing it from the person who dropped their stuff and how much of an impact that had on them that strangers would just stop and help them and it's it's really something that we all need to be more mindful of it's true. I mean, I mean, look, I, 
I went to the gym this morning. I go very early in the morning. So I'm normally up at 5.30 a.m. And I normally leave the house by 6 at the latest. And every every uh, every sort of Monday, well, today, um, yeah, and Thursday, um, it's really funny. There's a lady, and and she always says, hi, how are you doing? And I'm always saying, yeah, it's great. It's um, And I'll always say kind of things like, um, yeah, it's a bit early, but, you know, it's a positive day. And she just feeds off positivity. And this lady is so lovely, you know, and I see her always at 6 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and on my street, I'm one of the first to leave to go to the gym, right? But but what a great outlook. I mean, what a great attitude. What a great outlook. And And look, I appreciate that we're all different. And everyone has a different way and different perspective, different way of looking at, at life and, and things in general. But I think we need to make more of a concerted effort in helping others because that's the only way that we can create a better society for everybody to survive and live in. You know, everyone's got issues. I mean, I, I don't know anybody on the planet, that, but you know what? You're not going to get through those challenges. And you, by the way, you will get through those challenges. Um, I remember the great Bob Marley. I don't know if you remember this statement. And he always said, you never know something like you never know your true strength until you absolutely need it. Now, I, I, I know that I have been in a part of my life where I was like, I felt as if angels were picking me up, you know, and it was like, you are going to continue. You are going to keep going. And, you know, the chips were down. I mean, I was going through a particularly um a big part of adversity in my in my life uh, at that time but amazingly um, i'm here today and more importantly how powerful that felt right but mm -hmm. as i said everyone's different everyone's got a different set of issues i mean mm -hmm. and, and no one's going to be generically the same we can't you can't put all of us into little boxes and hope that that's that's there's one rule for everyone command and control because that's not what us beings do, you know? And, and so, you know, we do need more creativity in our life, but we also need better manners and we need better etiquette and we need better ways of communicating, right? Yes. I mean, where I live, I love where I live because, uh, you know, most people will say hello to you. <laughs> it's like, yes. you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not, but, you know, there's a lot of places where head's down, no one's interested in one another and you could just be catching somebody at the wrong time in in, in one of those experiences right mm -hmm. for someone to do something quite tragic with themselves or their lives and and really we should be doing more we should yeah. be doing more you know yes i i agree with all of that and i um i want to switch gears for a second and ask you about writing because we also our authors always talk about their experience in writing their story or contributing to this project or, or their experience with this project and what it means to them. And so I'd like to ask you that question of whichever part you would like to talk about. But also you mentioned to me before we got on this call that writing saved your life. So I would like to hear more about that as well. Yeah, of course, Dina. I mean, look, um, it did save my life. It's, uh, I've publicly uh, used that statement in um, some interviews that I have done previously as well. So it's an interesting one. Um, I, believe it or not, my first book was supposed to have been the company cookbook. <laughs> and I had this fantastic idea. 
I called my uh, business partner in the US at the time and said, hey, Mark, I've got this great idea. I've got I've got 100 recipes, as you know, I like cooking, and I've got 100 strategies. I'm thinking full color pages, descriptions. On the, and what do you think? He's like, wow, that, that it sounds great, Jeff. Well, anyhow, I then went to a, a beautiful place in Arizona called Sedona, Mm-hmm. And I hired a, a villa in the Red Rock, and uh, I set. I bought myself a brand new Asus netbook, and I was all ready to go. And I thought, right, I'll go to Flagstaff. I'll get myself a Starbucks, and um, I'll buy some books, and I'll because <laughs> I was interested in the stars and the planets, and you know. And I was driving back, and I had this, I had this, this inner voice say to me, mm, "Freedom, freedom, freedom after, freedom after," and that's where freedom after the sharks came from and it was an explosion that went on inside of me cathartic no question and um and it exploded and i exploded and the content was just flowing but what i learned what i learned about that look when you go on a life journey i mean a true i got to about 40 and um when I got to 40, it was really weird. It was like everything came back to me from my, my childhood and as a, as a baby because a lot of the tribulations that I had to overcome was when I was a baby, okay, and, um, and it was hard. And, you know, look, when I edited Freedom After the Sharks, no big surprise that I had to edit it about 100 times and I cried 100 times in the process because when you start opening the cellulars, you know, cognitively, um, it, you know, you might have a paragraph or you might have a chapter, but it opens up so much more. So, you know, that book was good in many ways because it wasn't just the adversity that I'd been through um, as a little boy um, or the little boy that was kind of lost without love as well. It was the little boy that turned into the teenager and the teenager adolescence and the issues that I had to deal with then. Then it was the adult. It was the failures of, you know, not being able to be a Royal Air Force pilot as much as I wanted to be and them offering me engineering and then a corporate career. And then why was I so driven? Well, you know, it's no, no big surprise that I wanted to be the best at everything because that was something that was missing in my childhood. You know, most, most kids, uh, you know, at 13 or 14 were going away to summer camp. Right. Um, I was working because I wanted to buy myself my very first Sony hi-fi, you know, you know, because that's what I did. I worked, I worked six weeks and I shouldn't have been working, but I did. Um, and I, and I had a very big work ethic, but it was because I never had love in my life. So you overcome all of that. You then have the big corporate career and you, you know, and I'm just so driven. I'm working 18 hours a day, nonstop to, because I want to be up the corporate ladder. I want to be the chief exec. I, I want to be glo- working globally and internationally across 120 countries. I want to be doing things that, you know, people have never achieved that can be achieved because the vision was there and because the skills and the competencies were there. So that whole journey was huge. And then of course, then don't forget that we all have our first true love <laughs> in our life. 
and how that crashes and burns and and the upset and the emotions and overcoming that and then finally finally going to a place of peace but that was a part big part of the journey that i described but what i also learned dina about writing you can't lie because <laughs> you get writer's block <laughs> right so i had a chapter i had a chapter in the book freedom after sharks which i think should have been chapter 13 or chapter 14 and i couldn't write it but actually what was interesting was because i couldn't write it actually it ended that relationship because the truth was something very different right because the truth was revealed so i think that what i also learned as a part of my journey was always live in the truth be truthful be open be transparent be authentic right because there's no point life is too short and more importantly the heart wants what the heart needs and that is a truthful open authentic self right and that's where self-love comes in so when you finally meet somebody that has the same you know how how two hearts come together and how powerful that is when two people have been through adversity but they come together with that burst of kind of love and self-love and then openness and sort of uh, authenticity yeah and transparency where words are not held back where you live in a place of harmony and love right but that was the hardest that was i still have um dinner parties around my house and we're all around the table and i'm like so i want to talk to you about my new book and i'm like no 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 let's talk about freedom after shark shall we you know so we always go back to that and um, they always go to certain chapters mm -hmm. naturally but you know i did get a lot of emails from people because when i wrote that that i started writing that in 2009 i think it was um and you know i got a lot of emails saying thank you for writing that book because in those days people would say this is me you know i'm a fortune 100 ceo i'm successful blah 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 uh, but they never talk about their personal journey I did it for the first time. And funny enough, there was a, a senior executive at Bearings Bank, you know, who brought me in. He brought me into the big boardroom, you know, like a 30 sit down boardroom. You could, it's a mirror. You could see yourself in, in, in the table. And he said, and he said to me, I'll never forget his exact words. Are you mad? I'm like, no, you're mad. And, I, and he said, I said, why? He said, well, look, you've written a book. And you've totally exposed yourself. Your career is finished. So I said, well, it's really nice of you to say that. I said, but can I ask you how many books that you've written and published? And he said, well, none. Well, you know, my decision. He said, Jeff, I'm telling you now, your career is finished. And I said, no, it's just starting. And so that will never, I'll never forget those words. And I guess that probably gave me the firepower to say, I've got to do more. And then it was, it was Joe, it was Joe, um, love is simple said to me, well, Jeff, you know, you're not an author until you're doing a second book, right? 
And unfortunately, that happened on the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's and, funny because the very first thing I ever wrote was in a book with you. That's right. How, yeah, that was great. That was how great. we even know each other. And that was, um, that was very daunting to me at the time because I'd never written anything. And now I, I feel like I'm just thankful that Tom reached out to me because I would have never probably looked for that opportunity, you know, because yeah. I was busy and running a business and all that. Well, I, I was, I was I not just touched. I was sad about that book because mm -hmm. Tom never told me about his health and about his situation. And, you know, I sent him, he reached out to me and he really liked my my first and second book so and i was gratified but obviously when he passed uh, before the book was published yeah. it, it gave it gave me more drive to know that i had to be a part of that book um yeah. and it, and the importance of that book right and that that is how we connected 100 yeah. percent. and and i loved what you wrote in that book and and i was i felt it was a privilege to be with everybody that was a part of that so me yeah. too, me too. And if anybody's listening, the name of that book is Journeys to Success, and it's the volume nine book, and it's the tribute to Tom Cunningham. And um, he had written, he had a radio show, and he wrote, yeah. um, put several of those books together. So I was very honored to be part of that as well. And I think that also the what you were saying about writing and it be, you know, this person telling you that you've ruined your career is very similar to my journey. When I decided to talk about suicide in 2019 and what that was going to look like, and I had employees and clients and, you know, all of this stuff. And it's like, how, yeah. how is this going to come across and, and is it going to hurt me? And it did the opposite. And one of the things I wrote, a, I wrote a couple articles um, around that time. And then I also, you had me write a guest blog. Yeah, that's right. That was yours. amazing. Yeah, so that, right. was, that was one of the first like five things I wrote when I decided to talk about this subject. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was very scary, um, but it also was very healing and it was, it was a chance for me to put out things about myself that were true to me that no one knew. And it was, it was healing in so many ways. And there are people who, you know, haven't really acknowledged it, but yeah, there are yeah. other, there are so many people who have been thankful for that because it helped them be able to, no, they're not alone. So they can talk about their journey so, or maybe it just helped them learn something about themselves. And so it's really important. It's really, really. Yeah. Important. Funny that, I mean, like you, I've, I've been writing since 2010, really on blogs, probably written about 600 articles now um, mm -hmm. over that period. And I've written about an awful lot, but you know, every now and then I drop in an article about love. <laughs> so I just drop one in now and again and it's funny how because it's so different it's like it's not leadership it's not 
corporate governance or you know the board and this and that it's actually about love and self-love and and what makes relationships so it's i've done that dina um mm. and i've i've really enjoyed doing it because i think it's real it's yeah. real and it's something we all can touch and actually it's it's something that we can all all improve upon if we really wanted to the question is how much do we want to improve you know everyone is always self critical or very easy to say oh well you know no no how much do you want to commit to because we're changing all the time transformation is every minute of the day because we're never going to be the same than we were a year ago or two years ago and a pandemic of course raced our behavior i mean beyond it just raced seven or eight years you know in one short period i don't think anybody was ready for it i think it was long overdue i mean i think we were there was a lot of st stagnation and i think there was you know we needed a fresh set of eyes sometimes at looking at things especially when things don't work you know mm -hmm. unfortunately relationships took the toll you know many many relationships fell apart needed to change and so forth um so you know that that was an experience but it, and when you have a like i call it like a tower moment like that you know it gives you the opportunity to rebuild with a better foundation a more solid foundation and then an ability to to really uh assess evaluate assess what you want but it's only really if people are committed to that i mean and that yeah. goes back to passion you know how much do you really want this so mm -hmm. and i think that's in regards to anything in life whether it's um a, a career moment or mm -hmm. or whether it's um personal uh, one of the same now you know you yeah. we are living in one of the same um but we've also got to um give ourselves a little bit of credit um you know when we don't you know it, mm -hmm. it's uh I think that's really important for self-esteem and, you know, because, um, you know, we, we all work hard, but we also need to recognize that, you know, we do have loved ones and, and you know what, if you, you, we can make time for our loved ones. We really can, we can make more time, but the question is how much do we want to do that? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's, that's, it's, yeah. for me, it's about intention and priority. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's about, you know, when you, when I was running my business before 2020, I was never home. I was always traveling. Yeah. I, my husband and I spent about 10 years where we weren't even together half the time because yeah. we were, one of us was traveling. Sure. And for me, I was very driven. Like you talked about, I, w it was always like, I need to prove myself. I need to achieve this. I need to achieve that. I need to get that award. I need to do yeah. all these things. And when we were forced to take a pause, it really changed my perspective Yeah. because although I loved my business, I loved what I did. I loved my employees, my clients. I had fun it was a great experience, but I also think that I was turning 50 that year. Yeah. It was like that time where I'm like, what am I going to have my whole life where I'm just 
climbing the ladder or proving myself and never enjoying what I've built. Yeah, exactly. You know? And that yeah. changed everything for me. And it's why yeah. I'm doing what I'm doing now. And it's it, it really is important for us to have this time and space in our brain to even, yeah. um, you know, explore those things. Yeah. And so I never really thought about it before the pandemic because I never had time to. And yeah, so I, mean, it, I was a I was at a dinner um, last week, um, a very interesting one actually. It was a, at a private bank um, in London, and the, one of the head of um, the technology for the London Stock Exchange was there, and there were some interesting people around the table. And, and of course, then I asked the question. I said, "Well, you know, hey, we're not doing enough introspection." Okay, um, what, what are you going to create next? Speed yoga? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, and, and, and of course, I had the whole table was in hysterics laughing. And then this guy said, actually, that's a good idea. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right. Because your introspection is where, where I really touched on that. Yes. You know, I've written about introspection and the power of it and the power. You know, it's always when something bad happens that you get perspective for a short period of time. But that's not enough. Right. Right. It's not and, enough. And, and a lot of things that you have to address on a regular basis are because suddenly you've just w had an awakening. Right. You've just woken up to the fact that something's happened. And then there's a dramatic change in emotions cognitive otherwise but we should be we shouldn't have to uh, have an excuse like someone passes away or somebody has you know gets diagnosed with something quite serious or there's a war or to have to have people change their their mind or perspective on things and and then go into introspection right it should be something that we do freely right mm -hmm. really and i think that we need to have more self-love in ourselves uh, and appreciation and gratitude with others uh, is, is incredibly important from from where i'm standing yeah and that you know it's got to be intentional or it doesn't happen yeah of course it, is. <laughs> it has to be yeah look and the greatest thing happens when you give intentions mm -hmm. the greatest things happen i mean really i mean mm -hmm. quite fantastic when you when you when you do that uh, as versus no intention, just right. expectation, right? Yes. So I think I think that look, I I say my gratitudes and and I say my intentions um, on a regular basis, um, you know, and you know, and it's funny how everyone's like on the on a wellness trip now, you know, oh yoga, oh uh, wellness, you know, meditation, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm gonna go to a spa retreat and do some meditation. Well, why don't you do it at home? You know? <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, I want to, I want to ask you, we have a little bit more time, but I want to ask you about the organization that you, um, are an ambassador for and that's Absolutely. love 146. So I'm going to put their, their website at the bottom of the screen. So everybody sure. can see that. And I want you to tell me how you got involved and, and what it means to you. Yes, uh, got involved. I was, uh, one of my corporate roles many, many years ago, um, at RG Group, um, we acquired an organization called the ARC, which is the Association um, for the Recovery uh, of Children. And um, Basil Baz down in San Diego 
uh, ran this organization. And um, as I said, in America, there was a little girl called Lilia who went missing for three years and the CIA couldn't find her. Um, so they reached out uh, to Baz and with his analysts and they found her in about six days, I think it was. And the little girl, unfortunately, uh, was taken um, by a paedophile and was in location in Costa Rica, um, which is in you know Central America. Uh, so uh, Basil got together a detail, uh, Delta Force, CNN were actually on that trip, and uh, it was a three-minute operation. Um, they landed, um, as you can imagine, uh, Delta Force kind of um, dealt with the proximity in the area. Uh, the paedophile's head was in the floor with with armed um, guards around him. The little girl was taken back, and then the uh, ceremony of because the, the little girl can't go directly back to the parents. It has to go through um, you know counselling, medical checkups, and uh, under the court of the U.S. Uh, Supreme Court, there are certain guidelines and rules. And then the mother was brought together, which brought tears to my eyes. No big surprise. Um, and I was hugely impressed um, with Basil's operation, um, and he still operates today. He has a 100% hit rate in the recovery of children uh, trafficked um, or taken otherwise, right? So um, that kind of spurred off my interest in helping organizations further. Um, so then just after that, I was invited into Love 146. And uh, be honest with you, I was hugely, uh, hugely uh, a fan of their work. They, they were the first organization. In those days, even churches were, the word trafficking, okay, was a dirty word, right? Really big dirty word. And, and it was, you know, these children would escape, try and escape, and they thought, we'll go to a church, you know, and... And it was difficult. So what Love 146 did, they, they miraculously put a, a project together called the Roundhouse, which is effectively was a 24-hour house that children could go to. Now, sad as it, it seems, uh, there is a statistic a, uh, that a child has to travel 4,000 kilometers to get to safety. So that's kind of their escape. They kind of end up under bridges. They, they, they rough it. They, they survive, and then eventually they get in the hands of safety. And safety can mean um, two things, really. Obviously, in, a, in an environment that has got psychological safety, where they have trauma treatment, they're medically looked at, uh, and so forth. Um, and then once ready, and it can take time, you know, before they get into the right hands, bearing in mind that some foster parents who work on the dark side then just sell them back into the system, which is horrible. And we, we just don't want to talk about that too much. But there are really good foster parents out there who love and cherish these children and want them to have love until they can. And, and you know, uh, basically, um, it's true. I mean, I cried. I mean, I, I sorry, I got involved with Love 146 and then I started helping them on the fundraising side originally and i became an advocate for government lobbying and and so forth and then they they invited me in as an ambassador and um i did a lot of work as an ambassador which i'm very proud of um and um i remember two christmases ago 
there was a knock, knock, knock on the door. And then I opened the box and it was Dear Jeff, an embroidered, an embroidered uh, piece where it said, Dear Jeff, and uh, thank you for everything. Um, love um, the children that love one plus six. And I just broke down and I said, Christmas for me is has no relevance because it's all about the children. And I, I was very driven for that for about 10 years. And then, and then last year we had a gala. We had a Christmas campaign gala. And one of the girls wrote that what they've been very good at is doing two things, um, setting up an art institute at the Love 146 so the children are able to express their kind of anger. Ang well, it's a way of dealing with anger management. It's mm -hmm. to put that into art, you know, an expressive art, but also into poetry. And one of the girls there, Zara, her name is, um, she's incredible. She, you know, she did a, a whole poem around um, what is home 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 is on the run home is in a truck home is in the boat finally i've uh, home is with love with my new parents you know my new foster parents and very deep words and, and and does poetry as well so i think again i go back to why i started writing and when you start seeing some of the children putting that into poetry um it's it's not just creative and arty, but it's it's an outlet to deal with that. So yeah, look, I'm very incredibly proud of what they do as an organisation. It's not just across the pond. It's North America. It's Mexico, Peru, Ghana, Philippines. You know, Thailand, around the world, dealing with all the organisations because trafficking is just a small part. Children trafficking, boys and girls, by the way, um, it's just a small part of you know the sort of um the big cartels you know you're dealing with gambling you're dealing with prostitution you're dealing with drugs you're dealing with children it's all a part of that trillion trillion dollar you know empires that they have around the world so but yeah I, look i think i've always believed that children when they're brought into this world um should have love by mum and dad uh, until they're at an age where they can make certain decisions, right? Mm -hmm. um, not that they they shouldn't be kidnapped and they shouldn't be trafficked. All right. Sure. Yeah. So I'm a I'm a great believer of that, and you know, irrespective of life circumstances, um, which can take and it's not just it's not just poor kids in mm -hmm. poor environments that get trafficked. It's also children in high class and middle class families that get trafficked okay and then they got to try and get back to to some kind of normality and you know look there are devices that the kids have to, because they can't sleep at night because of the trauma because of the experiences that come back and the screaming and the you know th th this is a norm going thing so we, you know, for some anybody that hasn't experienced this, or any, as far as I'm concerned, anybody that has a, a child, whether whether a male gender or female gender, um, knows how precious those children are to 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 the family. You know, not all kids have the the joy or the love, right, to um, to continue. Now, the reason why it's called Love One Four Six. It's because the two co-founders were in Bangkok. They walked into a, a local brothel, and there was a young girl there, probably 12 or 14 years old, 
And they said, no, they took her into a room. They said, no, you're not taking your clothes off. We're getting you out of it. And eventually they got this girl out of the brothel and they took her into their care. But the badge that she was wearing was 146. So that's where the love 146 come from. As I said, Rob Morris and the team do a, a fantastic job. They're, they're so driven. They're so committed to the cause. And, you know, it's been, it's been very good to be a part of that journey. That's, it's, I'm so glad I learned about that from you. And it's, it's a wonderful cause. Yeah. And in our next Scars to Stars book with you are two people who are writing stories about that. Oh, kind of stuff. oh that's, that's amazing. One, that, that really is amazing. One is a trafficking situation and one is a foster home situation. So we have wow, very interesting. both of those stories coming in this same book. And um, they're very, and, and Lori, the one who was in foster care, did publish poetry. That was, she was, um, that, that's fascinating. when I met that's her fascinating. Yeah. and now she's super excited to get her story out and to help. Well, I think those that. stories that you talk about in the next book are really powerful because there's a lot of people that don't speak about this. They keep it mm-hmm. all held, held in and they do need to talk about it. And the only way they, the way, what well, they do is they go to YouTube or they go to books to try and, and try and hear about other people's experiences and learn from those experiences. So I think this is really powerful, Dina. I say really powerful. You know, what you're doing is so important to each and every one of us. And it doesn't matter what, what, what gender you are, what religion, um, you know, what nationality you are, where you're from. Everything you're doing is in great support of society and and how we can try and improve that through these through these experiences and through and through people that have actually been through real life experiences and being able to talk to others so i think it's hugely important well thank you i appreciate that you know you know i'm a big fan right so (laughs) thank you i'm i'm a big fan of yours too and um i feel like we could talk for a week about so many things but right now i just want to thank everybody for listening and i also want to put up our website and if you are interested in our book launches or our events you can go to our website and find out more information you can also apply there to tell your story in one of our books so um you can fill out the submission on the scars to stars page we also have an events page that lists all of that and how you can register and we use Eventbrite, so you can also find us there. So we hope to see you at our book launch in September um, on the 22nd. And, yeah, so glad to have you here. So good to be here, Dina, really. So good to be here. Thank you. I'm so happy you joined us for this conversation. My wish is that you found comfort and hope in your own unique situation. If you resonated with our message, please head over to therealizedfoundation.org where you can apply to write your own story in one of our books. You can also download our 60 Ideas for Self-Care on the resources page. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, you are not alone, you are worthy, and you are enough.